the life and story of the true servant and martyr of God, William Tyndale. We have now to enter into the story of the good martyr of God, William Tyndale, which William Tyndale, as he was a special organ of the Lord appointed, as God's mattock to shake the inward roots and foundation of the Pope's proud prelacy. So the great prince of darkness, with his impious imps, having a special malice against him, left no way unsought how craftily to entrap him, and falsely to betray him, and maliciously to spill his life, as by the process of his story here following may appear. William Tyndale, the faithful minister of Christ, was born about the borders of Wales, and brought up from a child in the University of Oxford, where he, by long continuance, increased as well in the knowledge of tongues and other liberal arts, as especially in the knowledge of the scriptures, whereunto his mind was singularly addicted, insomuch that he, lying then in Magdalen Hall, read privily to certain students and fellows of Magdalen College some parcel of divinity, instructing them in the knowledge and truth of the scriptures. His manners and conversation being correspondent to the same were such that all they that knew him reputed him to be a man of most virtuous disposition and of life unspotted. Thus he, in the University of Oxford, increasing more and more in learning and proceeding in degrees of the schools, spying his time, removed from thence to the University of Cambridge, where he likewise made his abode a certain space. Being now further ripened in the knowledge of God's word, leaving that university, he resorted to one master Welch, a knight of Gloucestershire, and was there schoolmaster to his children, and in good favor with his master. As this gentleman kept a good ordinary commonly at his table, there resorted to him many times sundry abbots, deans, archdeacons, with diverse other doctors and great beneficed men, who there together with Master Tyndale, sitting at the same table, did use many times to enter communication, and talk of learned men, as of Luther and of Erasmus, also of divers other controversies and questions upon the scripture. Then Master Tyndale, as he was learned and well practiced in God's matters, spared not to show unto them simply and plainly his judgment, and when they at any time did vary from Tyndale in opinions, he would show them in the book and lay plainly before them the open and manifest places of the scriptures to confute their errors and confirm his sayings. And thus continued they for a certain season, reasoning and contending together divers times, till at length they waxed weary and bare a secret grudge in their hearts against him. Not long after this, it happened that certain of these great doctors had invited Master Welch and his wife to a banquet, where they had talk at will and pleasure, uttering their blindness and ignorance without any resistance or gainsaying. Then Master Welch and his wife coming home, and calling for Master Tyndale, began to reason with him about these matters whereof the priests had talked at their banquet. Master Tyndale, answering by the scriptures, maintained the truth, and reprove their false opinions. Then said the Lady Welch, a stout and wise woman, as Tyndale reported, Well, said she, there was such a doctor who may dispend a hundred pounds, and another two hundred pounds, and another three hundred pounds, and what, were it to reason, think you, that we should believe you before them? Master Tyndale gave her no answer, and after that, because he saw it would not avail, 
He talked but little in those matters. At that time, he was about the translation of a book called Enchiridion Militis Christiani, which he delivered to his master and lady. After they had well perused the same, the doctorly prelates were no more so often called to the house. Neither had they the cheer and countenance when they came, as before they had, which thing they well perceiving, and supposing no less, but it came by the means of Master Tyndale, refrained themselves, and at last utterly withdrew, and came no more there. As this grew on, the priests of the country, clustering together, began to grudge and storm against Tyndale, railing against him in alehouses and other places, affirming that his sayings were heresy, and accused him secretly to the chancellor and others of the bishop's officers. It followed not long after this that there was a sitting of the bishop's chancellor appointed, and warning was given to the priests to appear, amongst whom Master Tyndale was also warned to be there. And whether he had any misdoubt by their threatenings or knowledge given him that they would lay some things to his charge, it is uncertain. But certain this is, as he himself declared, that he doubted their privy accusations, so that he, by the way, in going thitherwards, cried in his mind heartily to God to give him strength fast to stand in the truth of his word. When the time came for his appearance before the chancellor, he threatened him grievously, reviling and rating him as though he had been a dog, and laid to his charge many things whereof no accuser could be brought forth, notwithstanding that the priests of the country were there present. Thus Master Tyndale, escaping out of their hands, departed home and returned to his master again. There dwelt not far off a certain doctor that had been chancellor to a bishop, who had been of old familiar acquaintance with Master Tyndale, and favored him well, unto whom Master Tyndale went and opened his mind upon divers questions of the scripture. For to him he durst be bold to disclose his heart, unto whom the doctor said, Do you not know that the Pope is very antichrist, whom the scripture speaketh of? But beware what you say, for if you shall be perceived to be of that opinion, it will cost you your life. Not long after, Master Tyndale happened to be in the company of a certain divine recounted for a learned man, and in communing and disputing with him, he drave him to that issue, that the said great doctor burst out into these blasphemous words, We were better to be without God's laws than the Pope's. Master Tyndale, hearing this, full of godly zeal, and not bearing that blasphemous saying, replied, I defy the Pope and all his laws, and added that if God spared him life, ere many years he would cause a boy that driveth the plow to know more of the scriptures than he did. The grudge of the priests increasing still more and more against Tyndale. They never ceased barking and raiding at him, and laid many things sorely to his charge, saying that he was a heretic. Being so molested and vexed, he was constrained to leave that country and to seek another place. And so coming to Master Welch, he desired of him, of his good will, that he might depart from him, saying, Sir, I perceive that I shall not be suffered to tarry long here in this country. Neither shall you be able, though you would, to keep me out of the hands of the spirituality. What displeasure might grow to you by keeping me, God knoweth, for the which I should be right sorry. 
so that in fine, Master Tyndale, with the good will of his master, departed, and eftsoons came up to London, and there preached a while, as he had done in the country. Bethinking himself of Cuthbert Tonstall, then Bishop of London, and especially of the great commendation of Erasmus, who, in his annotations, so extolleth the said Tonstall for his learning. Tyndale thus cast with himself that if he might attain unto his service, he were a happy man. Coming to Sir Henry Guilford, the king's comptroller, and bringing with him an oration of Isocrates, which he had translated out of Greek into English, he desired him to speak to the said bishop of London for him, which he also did, and willed him moreover to write an epistle to the bishop and to go himself with him. This he did and delivered his epistle to a servant of his named William Hebblethwaite, a man of his old acquaintance. But God, who secretly disposeth the course of things, saw that was not the best for Tyndale's purpose, nor for the profit of his church, and therefore gave him to find little favor in the bishop's sight. The answer of whom was this, his house was full, he had more than he could well find, and he advised him to seek in London abroad, where, he said, he could lack no service. Being refused of the bishop, he came to Humphrey Mummoth, alderman of London, and besought him to help him, who the same time took him into his house, where the said Tyndale lived, as Mummoth said, like a good priest, studying both night and day. He would eat but sodden meat by his good will, nor drink but small single beer. He was never seen in the house to wear linen about him all the space of his being there. And so remained Master Tyndale in London almost a year, marking with himself the course of the world, and especially the demeanor of the preachers, how they boasted themselves and set up their authority, beholding also the pomp of the prelates with other things more which greatly misliked him, insomuch that he understood not only that there was no room in the bishop's house for him to translate the New Testament, but also that there was no place to do it in all England. Therefore, having by God's providence some aid ministered unto him by Humphrey Mummoth and certain other good men, he took leave of the realm and departed into Germany. <laughs>